that. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Ruth. Now, I know the last couple times I was here, I spoke uh, on the, uh, from the book of Ruth. And I'm not really doing a series of messages through it. I'm just kind of picking out different things that uh, have jumped out at me as I've studied the book. And uh, so this, this morning, I'd like for you to turn to Ruth chapter 2. <clears throat> Ruth chapter 2, it's uh, Joshua Judges Ruth in the Old Testament there. And uh, I want to just share some things that I think are good. And um, is there, is there um, a penalty or anything if, you, if I don't go so long? I mean, if, if you get out a few minutes early, would there be a penalty or anything like that? Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I think of Baptist churches, they probably don't have those. <laughs> All right. Let me just uh, read a verse or two here in Ruth, and I've got, uh, got the NIV. I know that probably on this uh, chapter 2, verse 19, it would probably be, um, I've got it in the New King James 2, and that's, I think, what you use here a lot. It says... <clears throat> And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where have you gleaned today, and where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be, the, be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Now, when I was here before, we kind of uh, just talked through some of the first chapter and verses there. But Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, they decided that it would be better in the enemy's territory than in, the, in God's place, in Israel. They were part of the nation of Israel. And they were, God, they were, the nation was not worshiping God. They were rebelling against him. And so uh, God said, I'm going to discipline you folks because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So he sent a famine into the land. And uh, Elimelech and his wife here, Naomi, they said, well, we don't have to put up with this. We'll just go, we'll just go down here. Now Moab was a was an enemy nation. It's kind of like the United States and North Korea or something. They weren't very compatible with each other. And one of the reasons, or there's two reasons why. One of them was when Israel came out of Egypt and was going to the Promised Land. When they went through the land of Moab, they didn't treat them very nice, not at all. And secondly, before this happened. Moab attacked Israel and for 18 years kept them captive. They were slaves of the Moabites. And, and why a man like Elimelech would say, oh, we're better off down here with the enemy, the people that used to be our captors, than, than uh, staying here with our friends and struggling through this thing ourselves. So they just said, no, we'll just take off. A lot of times Christians do that. We say, oh, we'll just, we'll just do what we want to do. We'll go somewhere else. And <clears throat> that's when, when problems come. So 
Elimelech went down there because he, wanted, he thought he wanted to live. He thought he'd starve to death in Israel or something like that. So they take off and go down there and they take their, their two sons with them. Well, their sons married Moabite girls and then Elimelech passed away and both of his sons passed away. So here was Naomi, a, 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 a widow with two daughters-in-law who were also widows and it was just kind of a big mess. They didn't have programs like we have today to help people and it, women didn't have jobs like we have in our country. Whether that's good or bad, I'm not sure, but uh, they didn't ha have, and when there was, the men were gone, they were very destitute. So Naomi says, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to Israel because here she was, she didn't have any way to make a living. She was down there in Moab and unfriendly people to say the least. And so she goes back. Well, Orphus didn't go back with her. She said she was going to, but then she didn't. But Ruth stuck with her and went back. Well, they didn't, like I say, they didn't have any way to have any living or make money or buy food or anything. But in those days, and even today some, we have programs where the kind of the leftovers can go to help somebody else. And so uh, Ruth went out to glean in the fields. Now here's where God is working because God sent her to the field of Boaz. It's, it's interesting what a day can make in our lives. What a difference a day can make. Connie's mom passed away just a couple weeks ago and on the 11th of December. And, and uh, you know, our house went from uh, rearranging half the house to take care of her when she was on hospice. And, you know, they brought in the hospital beds. So we had to move the other bed out. And we brought in this and brought in that, brought in the oxygen machine and all this kind of stuff. We rearranged everything. And just so that we could take care of her properly. And then when she passed away, everything changed. You know, without any prior planning, we headed off to Michigan. We had to go up there. That's where mom and dad are from. And their burial places are up there. So we had to go up there and make all the arrangements for the funeral. And uh, get notice to Connie's family. Her, She has one brother that works for the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California in Pasadena, and that's a long drive, and this was right in the Christmas rush, so he didn't even want to try to fly. And, and she has another brother that lives in Florida whose wife is an invalid, and uh, he had to make arrangements and get up here. And I mean, just one little instant, and everything changes. And a lot of us have that. You've probably had that in different ways in your life at different times. Our kids do different things. Uh, I, our, our kids, different times, we've had to drop everything and go help them. And uh, it, life is just like that. Harry Truman wrote to his mother in 1945. He said this. He said, I hurried to the White House to see the president. When I got there, I found out I was the president. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that changes things, doesn't it? Uh, Moses. Moses was a, a shepherd. And God spoke to him and he ended up being a prophet. 
and leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. I mean, that's, that's quite a change. And look at David. David started out as a little, little kid, a shepherd boy, uh, taking food to his brothers who were in the army. And he got there and he ended up killing Goliath and then ended up being king of Israel. I mean, uh, uh, just taking a little food to your brothers changed everything in his life. And then there's Peter. Jesus wanted to use his boat. And he became one of the disciples. You can look back in your life, I'm sure, and find similar things where something has happened, something dramatic has happened in your life and it just changes everything. And here's, here's Naomi and Ruth and they go back to Israel and, and Ruth, Naomi's getting older now and Ruth has to go out and find some food. And so she just starts walking down the road. And as I mentioned when I was here before, I don't think there's any signpost out. This is a field of somebody else, you know. And she didn't know him anyway, so it wouldn't have made any difference. But she went down through the field and God led her to the place where... God led her to the place where it was Boaz's field. And, and she became aware of that. And then... Uh, she didn't know who Boaz was, but she did find out his name. And then we find something changing in Naomi's life. Now, um, back in chapter 1, if you can turn there, Ruth chapter 1, it's just probably across the page in your Bible. In verses 20 and 21, it, it reads like this. Don't call me Naomi, she's told them. Call me Myra because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. That's the way a lot of people do when they get out of sorts with God. They blame Him for everything. Why did God do this to me? Or why did God allow this in my life? God didn't send her to Moab. <laughs> God didn't do any of this stuff to her. She, she and her husband conspired together and they went. And then she said, well, God did this. No, God didn't do it. She got herself into this kind of a fix. And then she said, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me, and the Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Blaming God. The Almighty God has brought misfortune in my way. That's not true. She and her husband brought that on themselves because they were disobedient to God. And how many times do Christians get kind of cross grains with God and they take off? And do things their way and then they say oh God he's not good to me he's not doing me right by me and everything she says he, he's bitter uh, has made my life very bitter God didn't make her life bitter at all God was trying to discipline now that's like when we discipline our kids um, they may not like it but we're not doing that to cause them to have a bitter life we're, we're doing that to help them have a better life. And sometimes God has to come into our lives and, and uh, deal with us. One time I was at a meeting and uh, they had this evangelist and I thought this was kind of good. Uh, he, said, he said when he was a little kid, when he was a little kid and he'd get into trouble, his mom would grab him and she had a little paddle and she would start paddling him. And he said, 
if I tried to get away and pull way out there, she had a better swing and it'd get worse. He said, I found out that the best way to get out of that was to just go hug my mom right around the legs. He said, she can't swing that thing very hard when I'm that close to her. Well, you know what? God doesn't have to discipline us as much if we get close to Him. You know, when He's way out there, she can really get a whopping go at Him. But then He got right up here, you know, it's kind of hard to, to get a good one. And, and I think that's right. So here's Ruth. She comes back and she starts gleaning. She ends up in Boaz Field. And then when she comes in and she tells her mother-in-law what had happened, and her mother-in-law uh, there in verse 19 and 20, and in those little section right there, uh, her mother-in-law says, oh, Boaz. Now probably, it doesn't say this in the scripture, but most likely, when Elimelech and Naomi decided to leave, they probably had some property and mortgage to get money to travel with and to go down into Moab. Well, Naomi didn't have any money to buy it back. So she didn't have any property. She didn't have any place to live. And here she finds out that Boaz, that Ruth had been in Boaz's field gleaning. And she says, man, that is something. Because he is a close relative. He's a near kin. And he is a man that has enough wealth to buy our property back. And he has enough wealth to help us. And so that's what they did. Naomi's life is beginning to change. She goes from like chapter 1 verse 20. Don't call me, my, me Naomi. Uh, she told him call me Myra because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And then over here in chapter 2 she says in verse 20. Blessed be he of the Lord who has forsaken, has not forsaken his kindness on the living and the dead. In other words, Naomi now realizes that God is in this thing. I mean, she's back in Israel, that's good, but she's still having trouble. But she gets back here and Ruth comes home and says, I was in this man's field and he was really nice to me today. And he said to go ahead and, and glean there and... And we're going to have enough food. And Naomi starts praising the Lord instead of saying, God has been mean to me. When we get close to the Lord, then we can see what he's doing in our life. And we can see how he's working in our life. And we just need to be close to the Lord. We just need to be like that little boy. When God starts to spank us a little bit, don't run or try to get away because you can't do that. But you get as close to the Lord as you can and you'll find out that what you thought was bad discipline turns in probably to a big hug from the Lord. So that's, that's something I think we need to, to do. In Psalms 103, uh, King David said this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, in all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That ought to be the words from our lips. Bless the Lord. Why? Because God does great things for us. I know, I know God has done some great things in my life. The first time I had cancer and was told that, I can't, I can't tell you, and some of you have 
experienced it, but I can't tell you how it, it just seemed like the strength drained out of me when the doctor told me I had cancer up in Vermont. And they prescribed some treatment for me and they said, if you do this, you'll be cured. You'll be cured. Uh, well, I'm not going to pass that opportunity up. So I had some surgery and some things like that and everything turned out good. And for 10 years, 10 years, and I had tests all along, it was still perfect. Everything's perfect. You don't have any cancer. And then one day I got a pain in my back. <laughs> and I took some aspirin and that didn't help. I took some Tylenol and that didn't help. And I said to Connie, I said, you're going to have to take me to the emergency room. I said, because I can't get rid of this pain. And I said, it's kind of getting uncomfortable. Well, she took me in and they worked with me all day long from morning till evening. And they didn't tell me what was wrong. They just gave me some narcotics, which made me sicker than I was from my pain. And uh, then they said, you need to go see a urologist. And they made an appointment up here at the university with one for me. And after he came and did, after I went and he did a lot of tests, I found out my cancer had come back. Well, that was two years ago. And God is still giving me strength. Not as much as I used to have, but then I guess when you're 76, you don't have that much strength. <laughs> I don't know whether it's a cancer or whether it's my age is giving me the problems, probably my age. But anyway, I, I, I just say, thank you, Lord. I mean, I've had lots of funerals and with people that have had cancer and, and they've died with it. And I probably will one of these days too. But in the meantime, God is good. And I can say, praise the Lord, because God has given me strength. I mean, Connie and I went to Alaska. I promised her before we were married, I think that I told you this, I think, before. Uh, one of the things I was trying to, you know, bargain with her when we were dating, and I said, oh, yeah, I got I to gotta dangle something in front of this girl so that she'll kind of, uh, you know. And I was talking about going to Alaska one time because uh, I was up there on a missions trip when I was in college, and and I said, you know, I said, you know, maybe someday we can go to Alaska. We, you know, I emphasize that. And uh, a while back, she says, I think it's time I collect on that promise. <laughs> and so we went and we had a great time and I had the energy and I was never sick a day on the trip. And so God is good. And I can say with David here in Psalms 103 verses 1 and 2, uh, Blessed be the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Well, we need to do that. Need to get close to the Lord. And when Naomi came back from Moab and came back up to Israel, I mean, she was poverty stricken. She didn't have, they, did, they had to go out in the edges of the field and where the reapers had dropped a few uh, grains here and a few sticks of wheat or barley here or there and, and just pick them up and spend all day at that, maybe get enough to go home and make a little flour and make a cake for supper. Well, <clears throat> that's what it is. There's new hope in Naomi's heart. And they had new hope because of what Boaz did. Because of what Boaz did. Um, 
Let's look back here, maybe uh, up around verse 14 of chapter 2. Um, when Boaz came to the field to see the workers there and everything, and it says at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here and have some bread and dip it into the uh, vinegar. And, and when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain, shaded all and wanted and all she wanted and had some left over, which she probably took home to Naomi. And, uh, and then he said, Boaz gave orders to his men. Now here's where I think this is special. I think it is. Boaz gave orders to his men, even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Don't say anything, you know, nasty to her. And then he says, rather, rather pull out some stalks from her, for her, from the bundles, and leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. <laughs> There's a devotional book that's written, Handfuls on Purpose. And that, that book talks about the blessings that God brings. Now Boaz, he saw this girl, and he said to his men who were cutting, you know, they probably cut it with a cradle. Some of you remember that, when they used to cut their wheat and their barley with a cradle, uh, you know, and it would be scythe with a thing on it. And he says, you just, you just leave a little bit here and there, and every once in a while, you just take an extra handful and throw it on the side. Now, I'll tell you, that's the way God does with us. Boaz did something, and I'll tell you, God does things for us. He just gives us handfuls on purpose. He knows what we need before we ever even think about it. And, and he knows down the road, a long ways, what we need. And God just gives us special blessings along the way. Now, I know we have difficulty and we have trouble in this life. And why is that? I think it's very easy to explain. It's not because God did it, because like Naomi said, God made my life miserable. That's not right. What, what happens is we live in a sinful world. I mean, I saw on the, on the news uh, just this weekend that in Pittsburgh, the murder rate has almost doubled. Now, God doesn't commit murder to people, but people without God that do, they, they murder, if they don't like somebody, they shoot them. I mean, our world is terrible, and that's the kind of world we live in, and that's a result of sin. That's not a result of God's doing anything. That's a result of the sinful heart of men. And that's what they're doing. And so Boaz did something, and God, uh, God does things for us. Boaz did something for Ruth and Naomi. But I want to tell you, God does something for us. God will bring special blessings into your life. You serve the Lord, and God will take care of you. He's taken care of Connie and I. He's taken care of Doug, who's down there in Chile. Uh, South America and Doug has gone through a very difficult time recently because one of the missionaries that was helping him came home on furlough and didn't go back and Doug was stuck not only with his full-time ministry but their full-time ministry and and it's just like <laughs> he said dad I have I have no time he said I got four kids and I can't even hardly see them well now that's not right either and he's got to make some adjustments there but but God is taking care of him God is taking care of him we should just realize that Jesus does something for us. And then they have hope, 
Naomi and Ruth had hope because of what Boaz said. Not only what he did, but what he said. In verse 21, Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close to my young men until they have finished all the harvest. He said, You just stay around here. Now, he already told them. We saw that, didn't we? He already told them. You just drop handfuls of purpose. When you're cutting the wheat and you're cutting the barley, you, every once in a while you just pull out an extra handful and just throw it on the side. You just leave it. For her. He was, he was taking care of her. And then he said, uh, you just stay here for the whole harvest. Not just today or not just this week, but until. Now the, the harvest was run a couple months there for the bar, between the wheat and the barley. And he, he said, you just stay. Uh, something with the impression that something special was going to happen. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Well, this world has a lot of corruption and a lot of lust, but God says we can escape that, and he has given us great promises. And then, after Ruth found out who Boaz was, he was a wealthy man, he was a relative, he could help them out, she didn't slack off after that. Ruth could have stayed home after she found out who Boaz was. She could have just said, well, you know, I don't have to go out there and do all that work in that hot sun. I mean, he can take care of us. She went right ahead and worked, didn't she? I mean, those of us who are saved, we have... Uh, we have some work to do. God has chosen to use us. He could do it any way he wanted to. God could spread the, uh, the gospel by angels or any other way he wanted, but he's chosen to use us. And Boaz promised, made promises to her, but she went right out into the harvest again. She worked from April to June, and she knew the Lord of the harvest. She knew Boaz now. And I think that's great. The, the Mo, Ruth said, he also said to me, you shall stay close to my young men until the harvest is done. I think Ruth is a beautiful example of serving the master. Boaz was the master of that field. He had his crew there, and she found out who he was, and she didn't slack off. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm saved now. I'm on my way to heaven. I don't have to do anything. But what about the people that aren't on their way to heaven, that need to know about the gospel? That's why we send missionaries out. That's why we send, uh, why we go visiting. Why we try to visit people that are unsaved. And when I was pastoring here or any of the other churches I pastored, everybody that visited our church, I tried to get out and visit with them that very week. And, and a lot of people were saved that way. Those of you can remember back to the starting of this church, you'll find out that there was not a lot of people that came to this church from other churches. We won them to the Lord. They were unsaved and we just brought them in. I had uh, one, I, some of you might remember when we had, were meeting upstairs there and had the baptistry. I always had the people that, that were going to be baptized give a testimony. I think that's good. They just tell the people when they're saved. Right there in the baptismal tank. And I had one of the men of the church at that time said, Oh, 
we won't have anybody baptized. Nobody will get up there in the baptistry tank and tell people when they got saved and all that kind of stuff. Man, we just baptize people right and left. <laughs> yeah, tell them when you're saved. The Bible says that they're supposed to give testimony of their salvation. So we just let them do it. And I'm telling you, there were more tears when those people give their testimonies than probably any other time. I mean, people are happy and they're excited. And that can be true too, again. I mean, God is not out of the business of saving people. God is still in the business. And I'll tell you, if you bring the people in and work with them and lead them to the Lord, you'll be surprised what will happen. In John chapter 4, verse 35, there's an interesting verse there. It says, Do not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already open to harvest, ready for harvest. And that's true. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. I played that song for you a few weeks ago. We need Jesus now more than ever. More than ever. This world needs Jesus now more than ever. We just need Jesus. And we need to, to put ourselves in a place where God can use us. And just like I explained about that little kid that's getting a paddle, he got a lot less paddle when he was right up hugging his mother. <laughs> and we can do the same thing. When we're right up there hugging God and saying, praise God and blessed be the Lord, we're going to get a lot more done than we do if we're fighting him and trying to do our own thing. She worked till evening. Every, every day. She made good use of her time. I think that's important. It says in John chapter 9 verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me. There's a song that I love to hear, So Send I You. Now some of you remember that song, So Send I You. And it talks about going into the harvest, how God has sent us into the harvest fields. The opportunities will be gone someday, and we won't have that. Work, there's a song that we often sing, Work for the Night is Coming. And, and we sing that because that's true. One of these days, I don't know if we'll be looking up when it happens or whether we'll look up as soon as it happens, but one of these days the Lord is going to come and, and the rapture is going to take place and we're done with this world. And the people that are left, they're going to, they're going to suffer. And we need to do all that we can to bring those to the Lord. Galilean has been used of God. Now I've said this over and over again and I believe it. It's been used of God to send out many full-time people in the ministry. And I'm praying even now that there'll be many more that will come out of this church to serve God full-time. You have a good pastor here. I think Jim's a good man. He loves the Lord. I know that. He's got experience in helping churches go through this uh, transition. And I think that that'll be great. And we serve somebody greater than Boaz. We serve the living God. The living God. We don't offer uh, uh, prayers to a dead Muhammad or something like that. We serve a living God who hears and answers prayer. And I tell you, when we start praying and loving God and blessing his name, you'll be surprised what God can do right here. I'm going to... I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to bargain with the Lord here a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm asking the Lord someday to come back over here 
and uh, don't introduce me as being from the last century, which I am. But uh, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to see this place full like it was when I preached at your uh, 40th uh, anniversary, I believe. Now that was really embarrassing. I told everybody after that time, I said, you know, I said it is the church's 40th anniversary, but you got to remember I started this church when I was five years old. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I mean, it, it does, and, and then pretty soon you'll be up to your 50th, and I hope if that happens and I happen to be here, don't say I was the founder of the church. But anyway, <laughs> but <clears throat> let's not just be Sunday morning Christians. And I'm not talking about just attending church, but I'm talking about living it out in the community. I'll tell you one thing that I think, and I, I don't think I'll embarrass Ron, and if I do, he'll forgive me. But, and I even forget the people's name. But when we were, when I was here years ago, it was just about the time that the Lord called me up to Michigan to pastor a church up there. But it was before that happened. And Ron had been witnessing to a family. I don't, I don't even remember their name, Ron, but I know you were witnessing to them. And he was telling them, and he was sharing verses from the Bible about how to be saved. And he said to me, he said, I want you to come out and talk to these people. And I said, Ron, you can do it. And he'd share some more verses, and then he'd come back and said, no, I want you to come. Well, he kept asking me for a while, and I said, okay, Ron, I said, I'll tell you what. You make the appointment, and I'll go with you, and we'll go out and talk to them. Well, he made the appointment right away. I think it was the next week or so he had an appointment with them. And we went out there, and I took my Bible, and we sat down at the kitchen table, and I said, would you mind letting me show you some verses? And they said no, and I read a verse. And the man said, Ron showed us that verse. I read another verse about salvation. He said, well, Ron showed us that verse. And I read some more verses. And I just kept reading. I gave a whole plan of salvation, how they could ask the Lord to come into their heart and how they could be saved and how they could know that they're on their way to heaven and have the assurance of salvation. And they, every verse I read, they said, well, Ron mentioned that. And I said, would you like to get saved tonight? And the man and his wife and their daughter said, yes. And they all prayed and asked God to come into their heart. Now that's the kind of thing that grows a church. That's the kind of thing that God loves. God loves that kind of a thing. They just said, oh, Ron should Ron's a little scared about asking to pray and stuff like that. That's all right. He did the work. He shared it. And it, almost every verse I read that night... That man and his wife would say, well, we heard that the other day. Ron told us about that. That's what it's all about. And let's just get with it. <laughs> Go with it. And just do what God wants us to do. And I am going to be praying. I'm going to be praying. that one of these days, in the not too distant future, I'll be coming over here and all these chairs will be full and those people back there in the sound booth, they're going to have to have a row of chairs behind them. And, and full. Full. Now, I see that you've moved this back just a little bit up here so you have more room. But I tell you, we can move the 
temporarily, we can move the communion table out and put another row of chairs right here and fill them up, okay? <laughs> That's what God wants us to do. And Boaz, he was the master of the harvest, and he made promises to Ruth and Naomi, and he kept them and changed their lives. And God makes promises to us, and if we accept him and accept his promises, he will change our lives. And I'm just going to be praying that God will do that here. And God can, and he can use each one of you to do it. Okay, ladies or whoever's going to lead the song, come on up and we have a closing hymn. It's in your uh, bulletin there, but thank you so much for for allowing me to be here and share with you again. Thank you. <laughs>